Um, if you were here just a few weeks ago, um, I spoke from Joshua, and so we're going to kind of just continue on that. I'm just going to open with a word of prayer. And so, Father God, we just believe we receive, Father, as your word is shared this morning. God, we just believe we receive, Father, that you will open our ears, open our hearts, open our spirits to receive your word. Lord, just like a seed, and that it would grow and it would bear much fruit. And Lord, we just thank you, Father God, that as your word goes forth, it never returns void. And I thank you for that, and I praise you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so last time we learned from a town called Ai, and this week we're learning from a town called Gibeon. There's quite a bit of scripture, so we're going to just kind of begin. Go ahead, Mike. Um, There's a theme to this message. It's No, don't worry about it. There's a theme to this message, uh, and this is... The one thing that's very, very simple this morning, there's only one point, you know, sometimes pastors preach messages with an A and a B and a C and a little A and a little B. But anyway, so this is just really simple this morning. Have you ever made a really big mistake? Have you ever made what you considered to be a really big mistake? And how do you think God views that mistake? So we're going to be looking at scripture this morning, going to walk through some scriptures And it's from Joshua chapter 9. Just kind of set the stage for a bit. If you remember, we started with Joshua, and they took Jericho, and the walls fell, and it was supernatural. And then they experienced a great defeat at Ai, which is actually a very small town, a town of only 12,000, much smaller than Jericho. And um, with God's help, they got God's strategy, and, and they, you know, they, they then had a, a victory at Ai, and this immediately follows that. Okay, so they have victory, defeat, back to victory when they get back on track, and now we're in chapter 9. And starting with verse 3, uh, when the inhabitants of Gibeon, Gibeon it was a city that was in the region that God told the Israelites to take. He gave them boundaries and said, this is going to be your boundaries. And Gibeon is one of the cities in that area. So they are, they are heathens. They're Canaanites. They are idol worshipers. They're not God's people. They're just living in the land. Okay? When the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and to Ai, they also acted craftily and set out as envoys. They took worn-out sacks on their donkeys and wineskins that were worn out and torn and mended and worn out and patched sandals on their feet and worn-out clothes on themselves. You kind of get worn out from all those worn-out things. But, okay, but you get the idea. So just picture them. I didn't have an object lesson of, you know, somebody dressed all drug out, dirty, worn out. Everything's worn out, got holes in it. And all the bread of their provision was dry and had become crumbled. They went to Joshua to the camp at Gilgal and said to him and to the men of Israel, We have come from a far country. Now, therefore, make a covenant with us. The men of Israel said to the Hevites, that's their tribe, their group of people were the Hevites. These are the same people, the Gibeonites. Perhaps you are living within our land. How shall we make a covenant with you? God had told them, you will not make covenant with any of the people that live in this land. You're to destroy them all. And they went, but they said to Joshua, we're your servants. (laughs) Joshua keeps pressing. Where do you come from? Okay. And, you know, who are you and where do you come from? Go ahead. 
And they said to Joshua, we're your servants. Okay, next slide. They said to him, your servants have come from a very far away country because of the fame of the Lord your God. We have heard the report of all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion, the king of Heshbon, and to Og, the king of Bashan, who was at Ashtaroth, which they had wiped out all of those guys. So our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us, saying, Take provisions in your hand for the journey and go to meet them and say to them, We are your servants. Now make a covenant with us. Okay, so Joshua's got these people in front of him. They're all worn out clothes. They're coming. They're saying they're not nearby people, but they're far away. Joshua, now you'll notice Joshua kept pressing them. He said, who are you? Where do you come from? Were they honest? Okay, they weren't honest with them, were they? Okay, go ahead. This, this, our bread was warm when we took it for our provisions out of our houses on the day that we left to come to you. But now, behold, it is dry and has become crumbled. These wineskins which we filled were new, and behold, they are torn. And these, our clothes and our sandals are worn out because of the very long journey. So the men of Israel took some of their provisions Okay, so just picture them looking at that old dry, crusty bread, looking at their wineskins with holes in them. And they did not ask the counsel of the Lord. You think that was a good idea? Probably not, huh? All right. So the men of Israel tried to sample their provisions, but they didn't ask for counsel of the Lord. Go ahead, Mike. Have you ever got into a mess because you didn't ask God what he thought about what you were doing? I have. It's like, oops. Okay. All right. Little little thing there. Okay. But Josh, so Joshua made peace with them. This is 9 verse 15. And he made a covenant with them to let them live. And the leaders of the congregation swore an oath to them. And it came about at the end of three days after they'd made the covenant with them that they heard that they were neighbors and that they were living within their land. Then the sons of Israel set out, came to their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon, Jephira, Beeroth, and kiriath Jerim. The sons of Israel did not strike them because the leaders of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. But the whole congregation grumbled against the leaders. How would you have felt? You know, how many people, for those that were here when we talked about AI, how many people did it take to mess up things for the whole nation of Israel? Anybody remember? In the battle of Ai, when the first time they went out, how many people did it take to mess up? Did anybody? Just took one. Just took one. And now they've got a whole tribe of people that God said that they're supposed to destroy, and their leaders have made a covenant with them, and the people of Israel are upset. Because they, everybody knows it's all out in the open. Oops, boo boo. Okay, Joshua and the elder in Israel, elders of Israel, have an angry congregation on their hand. I'm sure there's never been a pastor in this position. Okay, um, as followers, and it doesn't matter whether it's work, whether it's our family. I know that yesterday I was working on my car and Callan and Jody are like, "You should do this. You should do this. You should," and you know and 
<clears throat> followers don't like it when leaders, myself, make mistakes that affect them. You know, and it takes a long time to fix something that would have been really quick if I just listened. But, but you know, so it doesn't matter whether this is a family, whether this is a congregation of a church, whether it's a business. Followers, have you ever heard about grumbling and complaining among followers? Whether any place you ever worked at, I'm sure it wasn't you. But maybe you just happened to hear some grumbling and complaining. Okay? But anyway, so... But so that's their situation in there. And the, but the elders or the leaders said to the whole congregation, we have sworn to them, to the Hevites, the Gibeonites, by the Lord, the God of Israel, we cannot touch them. Okay. This we will do to them, though. We will let them live so that the wrath will not be upon us for the oath which we swore to them. The leaders said to them, let them live. So they became hewers of wood. That's a chopper of wood and a drawer of water. Okay, in those days, they didn't have running water in their homes, and they didn't have a flip a switch to turn the heat on. You had to have wood, and so they were the laborers for the whole congregation. So basically, they became slaves, just as the leaders said, had spoken to them. Okay? All right. So that whole thing happens. And then, chapter 10, Now it came to pass when Adonai Zedek, the king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had captured Ai, and he had utterly destroyed it. Just as he had done to Jericho and to its king, so he had done to Ai and its king, that the inhabitants of, and he heard that the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and with, were within their land. He feared greatly. So the king of Jerusalem, he's trembling because Gibeon was a great city. Okay. So these, these Hevites, these Gibeonites, they made a covenant with them. There's a lot of them. It's a big city. It's bigger, like one of the royal cities. And because it was greater than Ai, and all its men were mighty. Okay, go ahead. Therefore, Adonazedek, the king of Jerusalem, sent word to Hoham, king of Hebron, and to Piram, king of Darmuth, and to Japhia, the king of Lashish, and to Debir, the king of Eglon. Okay, so it's a, a, a conglomeration then, a gathering together of all these tribes and all these kingdoms, saying, Come to me and help me, and let us attack Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the sons of Israel. Now, why do you think that they did that? Anybody have an idea? Why were they upset at Gibeon? Okay. Remember, they were a great city. They were strong. Do you want them fighting against you? Okay, so their plan was to take them out before they ever had a chance to try to join Israel and become their enemies. Okay, so, so the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, Jarmuth, Lashish, Eglon, they gathered together and went up. They, with all their armies, and they camped at Gibeon and fought against it. Then the men of Gibeon sent word to Joshua to the camp at Gilgal, saying, Do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us, for all the kings of the Amorites that live in the hill country have assembled against us. So Joshua went up from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the valiant, valiant warriors. Okay. Go ahead. It wasn't such a hard thing to pick off one city at a time. Okay, so if you remember, as Joshua has gone through with the last few chapters, they took one city at a time. Ai, then they beat, first they beat Jericho, then they beat Ai. And they're just going along one city at a time. They're not grouped together. They're just taking them out one at a time. But now Joshua has a different situation. 
several cities here are ganging up together with all their armies. And are they fighting Israel? Are they there to fight Israel? No, they're there to fight Gibeon. Okay? Now, what did God say had to happen to all the people that lived in the land? They had to be taken out. They had to be taken out. So... But what has Israel done? What has Joshua and the elders? They made a covenant with the Gibeonites. And so now, instead of just allowing them to fight each other and slaughter each other, they can't do that because they've got a covenant. And so Joshua can't not respond. Okay? So, so they've got this mess, big mess. Did they make a mistake by making a covenant with AI? Do they want to get involved in this fight between the Gibeonites and all these five kings, five armies against one city and then the whole nation of Israel? Okay, does this sound like a mess? Okay, was it a mess they could have avoided? Yeah. Okay, so have you ever had a great big mess? No? Good. (laughs) I'm glad. (laughs) But this is where, this is, you know, part of where we're getting into the big point. This is my thinking of what God would have said. Okay? This is not scripture. This is just, Sean, back up, please. Okay? This is, um, so please, we're going to, we're going to shift here, but, but, so this is just me. But this is what I would think that God would say. And maybe some of you have heard things similar to this run through your heads. Well, you have a great big mess on your hands because you didn't listen to me. I would think that that's what God would be saying. And I hope you learn from your mistakes. Can't you get God's hand on his hip? That's how we talk to our children. We want them to learn, you know, these are the children of Israel. Okay, you've got yourself into this mess. You guys can figure it out. You know, I'm not going to help you. Go ahead. But listen to what the Lord says. This, This is what is so amazing. The Lord said to Joshua, do not fear them. Of all the things that God could have said when the Israelites had made such a big mess and had screwed things up so badly, what does God say to them? He doesn't shake his finger at them. He doesn't say anything except, don't be afraid. Stop and think about that because have we ever made a mistake? I don't know about you, but my picture of God had him up there with the great big stick, right? You know, go out of the lines a little bit, bam, you know. Um, Okay, but God says to Joshua, do not fear, don't be afraid. Let's back up. It's there. Don't be afraid of them, for I've given them into your hands. Not one of them shall stand before you. Think about the grace and the mercy of our God. When they had made a mistake, they didn't listen to him. And God is not there pointing out their mistake. He's not there saying, you should have listened to me. He's telling them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Now, Mike, you can go ahead. Okay, go ahead. And as we just kind of continue to go through this, think about any big mistake you may have done. Maybe even a mistake that you made that had a lot of people upset at you, just like Joshua. Maybe today you have a great big mess on your hands. And maybe today you really can't blame anybody else. 
Okay? You made the decisions. You got yourself into this mess, whatever it might be. Okay? Hear the word of the Lord to you today. Don't be afraid. No matter what it is, is God bigger? Okay? Who does God love? He loves you. Okay, we're going to go through and watch this example play out for the Israelites because it is absolutely staggering. Okay, so just consider the marvelous grace of our God and his mercy that even when he, we've made a great big mess, he is still willing to help step in and help us clean it up. That's how much he loves us. Go ahead, Mike. So now let's go back to the scriptures and start to see, go ahead, Mike, what begins to happen because this is where it's one thing that God's not mad at them, but watch what God does. Again, Joshua chapter 10, this is verse 9, I believe. It's cut off on that one, but anyway. So Joshua came upon them suddenly by marching all night from Gilgal, and the Lord confounded them. That's talking about these five armies that have gathered against Gibeon. And the Lord confounded them. He confused them. He mixed them up before Israel. And he, okay, who's that he talking about? Okay, it's capitalized. He slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon and pursued them by way of the ascent of Bethron and struck them as far as Ezekiah and Makeda. And as they fled from before Israel, while they were at the descent of Beth-Horon, the Lord threw large stones from heaven on them as far as Ezekiah, and they died. There were more who died from the hailstones than those whom the sons of Israel killed with the sword. Now, I want you to, again, think about whatever your situation is, that you, you know, and again, maybe it doesn't apply, but for those that do have situations, God got involved in their mess. But not only did he get involved in a little way, just kind of being there, just being nice, you know, I'm not going to hurt you because you made a mistake. He got involved in such a big way that he's working harder than the Israelites. Now, I want you to picture that for whatever that situation is, whatever that mess is. God is wanting to get involved in that and work even harder than you can to do some things. Uh, these hailstones coming from heaven, is that something that Joshua ever could have done? Is that anything that Israelites could have ever done? Is there maybe something in the mess that you might have looking at you today that it's going to need something supernatural? And can you imagine that your God is willing to do that for you? And for me, isn't that amazing? That is just amazing. So here's God getting involved in Joshua and the elders' mess, and he's helping them deal with their problem with his strength and his great ability. Go ahead. Now, this is where it even gets, if, even if we had to stop there, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? But can you believe it even gets one step bigger? <laughs> then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel... O sun, stand still at Gibeon, and O moon in the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped until the nation avenged themselves of their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jashar? And the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and did not hasten to go down for a whole day. Okay. There was no day like that before it or after it when the Lord listened to the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. 
Isn't that amazing? Now, before you get discouraged, and I didn't go ahead and make this part of the message, but I'll just kind of give out some freebies. But before I do, who made the mistake to start with that got them into this big mess? Big J, Joshua. But who is the Lord listening to to do one of the greatest miracles in the whole Bible? Can you just stop and think, what is it going to take to cause the sun to stand still? Our earth rotates. There's all kinds of things that, that are involved in that. And I have no idea how God did it for a whole day or what he chose to do. But, it, but it's recorded that God stopped for a whole day. Now, they were surmising, you know, if you go through and read the commentaries, they think that it had to do with the fact that the, the enemies were getting away and the only way they were going to be able to catch them and keep them from getting to where they were going to go was to have that extra daylight so that they could finish the business. But, but stop and think about that. The Lord listened to the voice of a, a man. Was that a perfect man? Was that a man who never made mistakes? Do you think he'll listen to you? Yes, thank you. You know, it says here that there was never a day like that when the Lord listened to the voice of a man. And, and again, I didn't go through all the scriptures because I didn't think I'd have time. Uh, you know, normally on my messages, I have so many slides, you know, 24, 35. There's like 50-something on this one. So it's like Mike probably was going like, oh, it's why he's wanting to go fast on these because he's like, there's no way we're getting out of here before noon. You know, uh, but so I, I didn't throw it in. But, so, but I'll just give you the examples. When Jesus stood in the boat and the storm was raging, what did he do? Did he speak to the storm? Just like Joshua spoke. And if you're not familiar with it, there's a scripture in the New Testament where Jesus is teaching. Mark 11, verse 23 and 24 in that area. Where Jesus says that whosoever shall speak to the mountain. Okay? So, God is so wanting us to succeed. God is so wanting our victory over whatever mess we have maybe have gotten ourselves into. That not only is he going to throw down hailstones, you know, on whatever that situation is to diminish it. But he's also going to listen to us. Even though we're not perfect, even though we've made mistakes, even though we might be the one that got us into the big mess to start with. And he will listen to us and do a miracle. Isn't that just staggering? The grace and the mercy of our God. So it says there that he fights for Israel. He was fighting for Israel, but he will fight for you. He will fight for you. Whatever your situation is today, whatever the mess is today, it doesn't matter how big, how small, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if somebody's told you it's impossible because nothing is impossible for God. And he will do whatever is necessary to turn your mess to help you and me turn our mess into a miracle. Because he loves you. So I'm going to have the worship team come back up. I just couldn't think of any other way to end but just to worship him. He is so worthy. 
his grace, his mercy, the fact that he loves us so much that no matter what kind of mess we've made, he will step in and help us. Thank you, Jesus. You can just stay comfortable. You can do whatever you want. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We just worship you. Thank you, Jesus. No longer a slave to fear, Mike. I didn't know if you... Thank you, Jesus.
Come let us sing our freedom. You split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears were drowned in perfect love. You rescued me and I will stand and sing. I am a child of God. You split the sea so I could walk right through it. My three fears were drowned in perfect love. You rescued me and I will stand and sing. I am a child of God. 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 Father God, today, Lord, we just worship you. And Father God, I just pray, Lord, that as your word has gone forth today, God, Lord, that it would just so burn within our hearts. Lord, that whenever we make a mistake, whenever we fail to to ask you directions and we just kind of charge ahead, God, whenever we find ourselves in those situations where the enemy is saying that, ah, now you've done it now, there's no hope for you. Lord, that we will remember this word today. And Father God, we will hear the voice of our Heavenly Father as He speaks. Do not be afraid. To Father God today, I thank you that greater is He that is for us 
than anything, even things and messes that we've created, greater is he that is for us than anything that could ever come against us. And we just give you all the praise and the glory for that. And so, Father God, today for anyone, Lord, that as they've heard this message, Father, there was something that was looming before them. Father God, just like a dark cloud because of the situation that they have before them. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I believe we receive the light of the word of God penetrating through that darkness, God, the hope, the love, the mercy, the grace of the living God penetrating through that darkness, God, no matter what the situation is, no matter how big, how grave, how dark, Lord, and and just piercing that darkness with your love. Father God, that as they walk forth out of this place, Lord, that they will walk with with a revelation of, of your love. Lord, I love the, song, or the line that we just sang, that it's your blood that flows through our veins. Lord, we're your family and you care what happens to us. And God, we just thank you for that. We just praise you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, we bless, I bless your people today. I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you, God, for the worship team. And Lord, for the congregation, how everyone just so freely entered in today, God. We just give you all the praise and the glory for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Um, were there any announcements that anybody needed to give? Speak now or forever hold your peace. There's a couple people coming forward. I kind of short-circuited the flow of service. So, Stephanie, did you want to say something about the youth fundraiser? Um, on the back of your bulletin, there is a little blurb in there about the youth fundraiser. July 22nd. The kids are helping Mario's mom prepare tamales for a fundraiser and as well as beer ox. And you'll see on the back of the form, they are $18 for a dozen of beer ox. And you can get red ones with pork or green ones with chicken. And if you're familiar with tamales, you know what that means. The green ones are hot. <laughs> what? What did I say? A dozen of tamales, I'm sorry, for $18. And a half dozen of Birox with or without cheese for $18 as well. Um, we'll have a time for you to pick them up Saturday, July 22nd, around 6 o'clock. And if you would rather pick them up after church on Sunday, you can do that as well. So my phone number is on there. You can text me your order um, or we'll hang around a little after church. Um, they're prepaid, so we'll know how many to prepare. And... Um, also, we'll be here next Sunday for the kids to take orders. That's all. Did I leave something out? Okay. That's all I have. Oh, sorry. All right. So with that, we just bless you. Have a great day in the Lord, and we will see you next week or before. If you needed prayer, you can gather by the door.